0: You know, everyone's talking about Cyberpunk, but nobody's talking about Cyber Ska! Pick it up, pick it up, pick it up! Welcome to Triple Click, where we bring the games to you. Today, we are talking about the biggest game of the year, and also maybe the most unfinished Cyberpunk 2077. So let's get into it, shall we? I'm Jason Shire. I'm Kirk Hamilton.
1: And I'm Maddie Myers.
0: Hey. We are back for another episode. Maddie, you look startled. Did we startle you with that I, intro?
1: I was like, wow, we're, we're doing the show? Oh,
0: we're show? doing it. We just we showed up on Maddie's right computer in. in a Zoom call. Yeah, and her recorder
1: was, just
2: started out of nowhere. You
1: guys just appeared as holographic images of yourselves in my living mm-hmm. room. And I'm just dealing with it now. It's a You know how we did that? Now. We hired
2: a Netrunner to do that. They helped us <laughs> get in undetected. Yeah,
1: this is how we're doing the show now. We're, <laughs> we're all a
2: cyber podcast.
1: Projecting directly into each other's <laughs>
0: Homes. Mm-hmm. Welcome back future. to the show for another <laughs> episode of Triple Click. Before we get started, a couple of things right up front. First of all, a big thank you to all of you who support the show. And to those of you who do not support the show, you do not help us keep running. That's fine. But if you want to, <laughs> that's fine. You can go to <laughs> ma- maximumfun <laughs> slash join to become a member. Yeah. If you do that, you get a whole bunch of bonus episodes, not just from us, from a bunch of different shows, but once a month from us, including what will go up next week, which is this month's Beans Cast, where we spoil a thing on Gone Home, the yeah. two thousand thirteen indie video game. Very So look out for that. Next Monday, um, on Monday the twenty first. But do not look out for an episode next week because we are taking the week off for Christmas. Um, so the only way you will get a new triple click next week is if you are a member, huh? Nice, As it turns out, nice little motivation um, for you to make Then you'll get a bean uh, test. Otherwise, you'll have to wait uh, two more weeks for our next episode. Um, and we will be getting into all sorts of fun game of the year stuff. We're going to revisit our twenty twenty predictions at the beginning of January. It's going to be fun. We're gonna make some new oh predictions boy. for twenty twenty one. Oh boy, it's gonna be fun times. <laughs> Should um, we just
2: stop predicting things entirely? Maybe it's our fault that twenty twenty turned out. How it did.
0: Nope, we no can't. Way. The it's predictions. Our predictions were the best part of twenty twenty. Is spending every day like wondering mm. is one of our this predictions is a is
1: Which of us may have won the I won. predictions? I don't know.
0: I don't. I haven't checked. I don't know about you guys. i Actually, don't know either. We're not gonna find out. Yeah, don't tell mm. us. I'm, I'm like deliberately not yes. checking. Same. So. Okay. Um, and all that said, this week we are going to talk about the hot new video game about cybering. Um, at least that's yes, what I think it is. It's all about cybering. <laughs> yes, cybering twenty seven seven. That's what it's
2: about. Is it the hot new video game? I guess that's my question. Is is it hot? Is it lukewarm? Is it
0: new? Is it a video game? It has sold more copies than everything else. So yeah, definitely. I guess sales wise, it is yes. hot. flying so, off the yeah. shelves. Yeah. So we're going to talk about cyberpunk. This is going to be.
2: A triple play, because we have all played the game. Um, Let's Mm -hmm. see, up front, we've all played up into Act 2. Maddie, I think, is the farthest, but we're all kind of there. We'll talk about some plot stuff, not a bunch of like super hardcore spoilers, because I think a lot of our conversation is going to be about the broader stuff. And also, so Mm -hmm. Jason and I both played press account copies of this game, and Maddie bought the game herself. So that is where... That's right. We're out on Cyberpunk. So, all right. So there's a lot to talk about this game. There um, is this bigger narrative around the release and CD project and all of that. There's the technical issues. There's also just the game itself. Mm-hmm. And I guess I want to start there. So, the last one? Uh, yeah. Let's start with <laughs> the game itself. I think we start there mm-hmm. because I'm actually, I think that the other stuff is kind of more pressing at the moment. So let's <laughs> talk about what we've played. Maddie, what do you yeah. just think of like your experience playing this game so far?
1: Well, I don't love it. So, (laughs) this is an open world video game. It is a story game. It is a role-playing game. Your decisions affect the end of the game. I made the decision to look up spoilers for the game because I wanted to know if there were different endings. And I'll just say that there are. And I wanted to know also, and I've heard from talking to other people at work who've played the game, that... Some of the missions play out differently depending on what you choose in big and small ways. I know there's been a lot of jokes online about whether your choices actually matter in this game or not, because some of that is pretty opaque, but they actually do matter. Um, The open world stuff, to me, has been the least fun. So my experience with the game has been almost entirely story missions. I don't know how you two have been playing it, but anytime I try to do something outside of a story mission, I feel like the game is bad. So uh, there are a lot of other things in this this futuristic cyberpunk world. You can work with the cops, you can be kind of a criminal freelancer and, and work with randos on the street. But mostly, this is a story about Keanu Reeves being on a microchip inside your head and becoming your best virtual friend. And that story... I think is probably the strongest part of the game. Almost everything else is not great. Those are mm-hmm. my, those are my early thoughts. What Got kinds, it. what kinds of characters have you all chosen to play? I'm not so much into the hacking in this game. I don't think it's very fun. So I have just relegated myself to shooting my way through a lot of situations, but I'm curious
0: about how you two have chosen mm. to go, well, what,
2: Jason? Why don't you go next, and as you're telling us what you think, you can also tell us what kind of character you're playing as.
0: Yeah, well, I haven't actually chosen yet. I've just been mm. hoarding all my points because I'm kind of, I, don't, <laughs> I, know, I don't want to make a excellence. bad decision. So <laughs> I guess so. I'm not as far as you are, Maddie. I've played uh, eight hours. I just checked, and mostly done story stuff on route to Act Two. So the last big stuff I did was like the big hotel heist and all that stuff. And maybe as a result. I actually like the game. <laughs> I've actually enjoyed what I've played so far, um, and I, I imagine that's going to surprise a lot of people who think that I hate CD Projekt Red and went out to get them. But I've actually been enjoying what I've played so far. Um, that said, it's hard to decouple. It's hard to decouple that from the massive technical glitches everywhere and just like everything from tiny things like uh that just really annoy me like when you smash a glass window and the sound effect doesn't play and so it's just silently smashing a window which is so weird and like disconcerting Mm -hmm. to bigger stuff like in the middle of an emotional cutscene when a character is handing you something and that something just doesn't exist like it has disappeared from thin air and i'm playing on pc we're all playing on pc me too yes Yeah. so yeah so that's just the good
1: version Supposedly, yeah.
0: That's not even counting the the last gen console versions, which are apparently like borderline unplayable, according to a lot of people, including including CD Projekt Red themselves, which had to take responsibility for that. Right. So. so- but the game itself you're 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 actually feeling overall it. thoughts yes 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 we'll get to that stuff later yeah overall thoughts yeah i like it i'm enjoying it the shooting feels good to me i'm enjoying the writing and the story and the quest i'm really into the story um in a way that i didn't expect to be based on the trailers like i thought it was going to be a lot more try hardy um and i'm actually emotionally invested in v and her uh, her her character arc and her situation and her buddies and, and all the johnny, characters and johnny
1: silverhand yeah johnny, johnny i'm not a
0: big fan of yeah, yeah. <laughs> Keanu is not doing it for me, unfortunately. Oh, he's
1: an asshole, but but I think I don't know, he's he can be Charismatic
2: in his own. I could way. see him
0: growing on me. Yeah, maybe mm-hmm. he'll grow on me over time. Again, I haven't played that all that much. But yeah, I mean, so far, I literally I just started the last thing I was doing was like exploring the world a little bit. And I could mm-hmm. see like if this part of the game is a disappointment, then I can see how myself like turning on it pretty quickly. But at least right now I'm liking the game. Kirk, what about you? What are your kind of overall thoughts?
2: Yeah, I like the story okay. Um I'm not totally sold on Johnny, but I but I you know it's it's early goings. Um, I'm feeling this as a sort of narrative game I think it looks really nice when it works on PC which is just cool like it, I have ray tracing on and it works okay it doesn't run great What's your card? 2080? A 2080 yeah this might be and I, I'll say now this is probably going to be a game that I put away and come back to in like six months when it's been patched to hell and has DLC and also when it's possible for me to finally get a better graphics card just because I think uh-huh. this would be cool to play and I can't quite get it running to where I could play with a mouse and keyboard and I think there's so much business in this game that playing with a controller feels kind of weird. But uh, broader impressions, though, I think that the distinction I had to make in my head when I started playing this to like appreciate it for what it is rather than for what I sort of was expecting and and what may have been marketed was that this game is a lot like The Witcher Three, CD Projekt's last game, in a lot of ways, and it's really like if if The Witcher Three were a first person game. It would actually kind of work like this, where it's basically the world is just a thing you move through that's really cool looking and sets the tone in-between story missions and side quests, and it's not a simulated reactive world like a GTA or a Watch Dogs or that kind of a game. And yeah. But it wants
0: to be. It wants very much well,
2: to be. Well, yeah, it seems like people wanted it to be too, and, and it's very, like, shockingly incomplete when you try to play it that way. Like, the police system in this game is just bizarre if you've just mm-hmm. shot someone on the street to see what happens. Like, the police just teleport in behind you and start <laughs> shooting, and then if you yeah. run away, they don't even chase you. Like, it's so far behind like Grand Theft Auto 3 is like ahead of this game. So it's just not that kind of game. And leaving aside whether or not it's like okay for it not to be that kind of game, when I put that away and started playing the story, yeah, it's all right. Like it's I don't know yet whether I love it. but it's pretty cool. Like it's got you know just a nice vibe. It's raining through the windows, and we're up in this wild, super mega skyscraper in a cyberpunk world, pulling off a heist, and there's robots. And I'm like, all right, yeah, this mm-hmm. is cool. Like, um, so I like that about it. Uh, last thing I will say is that I think maybe all three of us are playing as the female V, and mm-hmm. I went through. I think it's actually really interesting how much better the performances. This is a voice actor named Shirami Lee, who I know as Makoto from Persona 5. She was also A2 in Near Automata. She's been in a million things. She's a really, like, she's really a working voice yeah. actor, and she's great. Um, the male actor is a guy named Gavin Dre, who is in movies. He was, like, in that movie Valerian and some other stuff, but he's not in any voice acting. And I started this game, and I was like, I did the nomad path. At the very beginning, you do this thing where you have to go fix a car. And I started as a guy. I was actually like, I'm going to play a guy in this game and he started talking and I was like mm, I don't know maybe I'm not gonna play as a guy and it's just this sequence where he looks at a car and he's like it's an engine and then he has to you can take one of those blue dialogue options and you think to yourself and he's like hmm what do I do and then he fixes it and then he says to the mechanic they're like oh like you know it was no help you talking to me or something like that he kind of gives some attitude to the guy and then gets in the car
1: that's fine step aside
0: what got any idea what to do
2: <clears> hmm <throat> I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Mm Hmm. And? And your chirping is not helping. So then I restarted it as the female V, and the acting was so much better immediately. That's fine. Step aside.
0: What? Got any idea what to do?
2: Hmm.
1: I'm thinking, I'm thinking.
0: Hmm.
2: And?
1: And your chirping is not helping.
2: Because... Voice acting is just such a different discipline. Maddie, this is something you and I were talking about offline a little bit, but just it's fascinating to hear a voice actor so starkly set herself apart, just in the way that she thinks to herself when she looks at the engine. She's like, Mm. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. And it has this feeling of like familiarity, and she's conveying so much because she's not. She's used to not relying on her face or anything, and I just think that's fascinating. And I think she's been great throughout the game, and that's really enhancing the game for me. I think it's a great performance from her.
1: I'm gonna bypass the coupling and break a hot wire.
0: Compressor will run on and on. It could seize up.
1: Did anyone ask your opinion? Yeah, I agree. You have to talk to yourself a lot if you're a video game protagonist. So if you're a voice actor, you have to figure out how to do all of those monologues and asides and have it sound naturalistic and not awkward. It's definitely a challenge, but it's Mm -hmm. also emoting with only your voice and not your face, I think is... Probably hard for anybody who's making the transition to voice acting. I I wouldn't know.
2: Yeah, I think it's hard. And it's the kind of thing where, like, Keanu, I'm not sold on his performance yet either. And I'm a little like, well, he gets to have himself be in the game. But Keanu Reeves has one of the great faces in all of movie stardom and his face, even because it's so still sometimes. Like, it's not even that yeah. he's so emotive. It's just he's this amazing physical presence. When it's just his voice, like when you're playing as him during this interlude, I'm kind of like, oh, mm-hmm. this isn't working. Like, this feels kind of weird. Like, he's not, he's a little lost just because it's such a different kind of work. And I'm a little mm-hmm. concerned about that. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. By the way, that intro you described is not the same for every character. Like, oh, I yeah, had a completely no, right. different one because I played as a street kid. And the mm-hmm. interlude at the beginning is that you steal a car. And I actually thought it was really bad. <laughs> like, the the opening for the street kid, I thought the pacing of that first hour was so strange, and the jump to six months later, and you're friends with Jackie Wells, which I don't know how that worked for you two. I think but it's the
2: same for everybody, where there's that time. I like that a lot, that montage. Yeah.
1: That was fun, but then I was like, why didn't the game just start with this? Like, I thought it was really odd that I had to do this entire mission mm-hmm. where I stole a car, and then you get busted by the cops, but it's not clear why or what happened exactly and then suddenly there's this time jump. I just was like, man, mm. it felt like a bad sign to me because I feel like usually the thing in a game that's the most polished is the first mm-hmm. couple hours of it. So that was the moment when I was like, this, I might be in for a bad time here if I already think this is bad. Well, the
0: funny thing is those intro I wouldn't count those intro missions as the first couple hours because the thing that we saw at E3 2018 the vertical yeah. slice, their E3 demo was actually the mission after that, like your first right. real mission, where you go steal the sentry or make a deal for the sentry robot, for the spider robot um, with the maelstroms. So that was the yeah. vertical slice. So that's the Which most polished Which is a better mission. one. Yeah. yeah, the intros, I don't know, they do feel, the intros feel kind of tacked on, I agree. Mm-hmm. I was the Corpo, so we got to experience all three of them. Oh, that's And fine. mine Great. was very short. It's very short and abridged, mm-hmm. but it seems like, I mean, I would be very disappointed if it wasn't brought up again later because mine didn't resol- like, have any sort of resolution. I like gather she's... there's not a lot to these intros, like to the backstories. Oh, really? Like, it's just some
2: dialogue options. I'll occasionally have a huh. Nomad dialogue option where I'll say yeah, something I about the claims, but I think, options. I think that's about as far as it goes. I, everything I've that's read too has bad. indicated that that's kind of a disappointing
0: part of the game. Yeah, that is very disappointing. Some
1: things come back and some don't. Who can say? I
0: will say, I want to say, before we get into the bigger picture stuff, um, I mentioned this before, but I actually really like the way the shooting feels in this game, and I'm pleasantly surprised by how good it feels, especially as someone who is, I mean, all of us are huge Destiny people, and so we've experienced the best Video game shooting has to offer. <laughs> Just, um, and I've sure. I've enjoyed it in this, um, less so the sneaking, which I think the game has not quite yeah, mastered, at least really not like yet.
1: Stealth or hacking in this I game. Wonder, well, I
0: wonder if there. So I read an article, I think it was on Polygon. It might have been by Russ Freshick on Polygon, talking what, about Polygon? how. Like, is that like a website? Interesting. No, like right, interesting website. <laughs> it is a video game website, but nice, they also nice. cover Game of Thrones for some reason. Oh, okay. um, yeah, I feel like I read some <laughs> Marvel articles there. Or so it was talking about how how the most interesting options are like on the edges of the perk trees so like if you specialize then you'll get the most interesting stuff so I wonder if there's a lot of stuff mm. that like really makes the game those elements of the game the sneaking and the hacking more fun.
2: That's yeah, funny because I've also heard that if you over specialize you kind of get screwed because you get thrown into combat a lot and I think mm-hmm. the shooting's okay but the problem is the AI and the general I wouldn't even call it bugginess. Right. It's just sort of doesn't work. Like, it's so... It's hard with this game to draw this. that distinction between something that's buggy. Like, when someone hands you a thing... I did that brain dance sequence, and she, afterwards, the operator, like, gives me a headset to put on, but she was just mm-hmm. wasn't holding anything. It was, like, the same yeah. thing you were describing. Yep. Yep. Where, like, that's yep. just a bug. But then there are times where just the AI is just so dumb, and, like oh man mm-hmm. like you're in gunfights with Jackie and he's like running around like a total
0: maniac and I was just like yeah. this is just I don't think this is, bug, this is a bug. And enemies are just firing the opposite yeah. direction from yeah.
1: you. Yeah like you can run directly up to enemies and they will not shoot right. at you. I've had that experience a lot and I'm like well I guess I could change the so difficulty like, on this game right. but I don't know if that's going to help. The feel
2: anything. of the guns is pretty good considering that this is the last game they made is the Witcher which is like a third person sword fighting game like yeah it's like it's pretty fun and the guns look cool. That's what I'm saying yeah that's right. what I'm talking but about when I say the guns are feeling Right, when it comes down to gunplay for me, these days, like, it's kind of the difference between playing uh, Titanfall 2, which has really great mobility and good feeling guns, but in the single player mm. campaign, the AI is kind of stupid, and then mm-hmm. playing a game where, like, the enemies are really fun and always moving and pushing you, and you have to kind of have right. that push and pull, and right. that's when right, it really right. gets fun for me. But yeah, yeah, the competency is is surprising, or kind of kind of okay.
0: Um yeah, well, so that that part actually isn't surprising to me because I think that um, based on what I know, and some of this is public about the development of this game, um, uh, there have been people people started prototyping and like working on early versions of the game back in 2012 when they announced it, um, and then. Everybody, Pretty much everybody got pulled over to work on The Witcher 3, uh, so 2014, 2015, 2016. So the game didn't really start development until after The Witcher 3. I think Mm -hmm. they've said this publicly. Um, And I think what happened at that point was there were some reboots and story upheavals and changes from what they had been planning four years earlier for a variety of reasons. But... If they had a couple of people over in the corner prototyping like first person combat, that could have been like that doesn't need to change if you're changing everything else. If you're changing the story, mm-hmm. world, characters, etc. Um, so that they might have actually been working on for eight years, which would explain why that part of the game at, at least um, feels decent. So speaking of that, at least
2: let's talk some about technical issues on this yeah. game, because a lot. The reason that I'm going to come back to this game is because man. It's not, it just feels incomplete. Like, it's not even bugs for me. It's like just weirdly missing stuff. Um, I I think I have a few examples written down. One of the most striking is the fact that you can't change what your character looks like or even get a haircut. Much has been mm, yeah. made of this. I couldn't believe this when I started <laughs> playing the game. And it sounds so small and petty, but given the subject matter of the game, and that the idea is this is like exploring <laughs> this cyber world where the defining aspect of the sci-fi world is that you can totally change yourself and become this cyber person, the fact that it's a really rigid character creator in a lot of ways, despite the mm-hmm. dick and boob Options that everyone has talked about, like it's actually well, very. There are only like two of those options.
0: Those are pretty, <laughs> yeah. And too. you
2: can't change them afterwards, and you can't even like change your hair. I was like, oh, I gave myself this huge, awesome, frizzy hair, and I was like, surely I can change this later. Nope, you can't change it. No, nope. never see your character. <laughs> and I just, I, I think that's such a weird thing about this game world. I guess this is like a technical thing and a missing feature and a narrative thing. It's just mm-hmm. that like so much of the best sci-fi is like taking a question, one big thing, and saying, what if? This thing. And I just, I talked about Altered Carbon. I think it might have been back in the split screen days, but like I watched Altered Carbon. Cool first season, not as good as second season, but I started reading those books. The books are really cool. The premise of that cyberpunk world, which is very cyberpunk, is that you can like put your whole personality and life into this little stack that then goes into the back of your neck and your body just becomes a sleeve, it's called, for your personality. And it winds up being, like, the whole story, everything about this, like, neo-noir cyberpunk thing is built out of this technology, and it's such this transformative, fascinating thing. It goes in all these different directions. Rich people can live forever. Like, identity means something completely different. All this cool stuff, and they're constantly exploring it. This world feels so much more shallow than that, because it's just, like, cyberpunk aesthetics and, like, some hacking. But, like, you can't even change your hair, (laughs) let alone, like, change yourself, which is sort of what this whole... Premise kind of seemed like it was going to be to me. So I think that that mm-hmm. kind of shortcoming actually winds up impacting the game for me too. Like yeah. how, I, how I think of it.
0: Even though you can't see your character, I would think that wouldn't matter since you can't well, see. Well, there's
1: your mirrors around. But also, like, uh, every time true. I look in a mirror, it does not register my character correctly. Like it's almost comical at this point. Like it will register her as partially naked right, or like she won't have her hair yeah. or like she'll be wearing like part of her clothes. I don't know. It's, it, but theoretically, you can look at your character. It just doesn't well,
0: always work. Well, so it's interesting. You have to like specifically click look at mirror otherwise your character oh, yeah. won't yeah, because it doesn't up. load like, <laughs> right? Because it's not loading load your character, character. <laughs> until but <laughs> right. it's not even trying to load your character until like you won't see your character on reflections or anything. because
2: did you see the people found like your character model has no bo- like torso or head like most right. of the time mm-hmm. like, except in I photo mode. I mean that's mode. pretty
1: typical but it, right. it is just funny to see the, it glitch out in in various situations. Well
0: no a more typical way to do it would be to have your character show up like you can see your character on reflections and whatnot. That too. Um, right.
2: Just given that these are the the people who made a beard system before Red Dead Redemption Two, where Geralt's beard freaking grew out in, over the course of the game, and it was so like wild. I wrote about that in my review, being like, "Wow, this is like a, this ridiculous, silly step forward that's actually neat in practice." And now that it's like you can't even get a haircut, it's just I don't know. Like it, it really does kind of undermine that that whole core idea of this premise and I'm left being like oh okay so this is just a story that you kind of play through and mm-hmm. I guess that's more than just a technical shortcoming but they also like I just modded the game last night so that I could remap the F and E keys like so that I could nice. like have E be used instead of F because for some reason you just can't remap that one key in the keyboard remapping <laughs> or like that's weird or the lack the lack of auto
0: drive is a real bummer yeah
2: or you press one button to get out of the car if you're driving but if you're in the passenger seat you press a different button to get out of the car <sighs> that's, that's driving
1: funny. also Feels bad in this game. Like, oh, why yeah, can't you no, even drive good. in the game in the first place? Right, like, they, like uh, None of the cars look good. So. Well, because
0: they wanted it to be Grand Theft Auto. Right. Like, this know, is very clearly it's, like it's we not. want a GTA, but. It's not because they have to smudge smudge it with all this they have to like combine it with all these RPG mechanics and dialogue and witcher witchery stuff, which is all the good stuff. That's the stuff C D P R is good at Yeah, and like doing a simulation is hard.
2: But
1: that's the strength that they have though. Is is the dialogue options and the witchery stuff is the good stuff in right, the yep. game. So they shouldn't have tried to include all this other stuff, which feels like a really, really grand scale management problem. And Mm -hmm. I think I would be able to observe that even if I didn't already know that CD Projekt Red was having all of these troubles that have been cited by various employees about management over the course of the long development of this game. I feel like it's very clear just from playing the game it's it's like a too many cook situation but too many features scope creep is usually how people refer to it where everything is kind of bad because there are just too many things in the game and it's sad it, it feels really bad to play because like okay there's all these little exclamation marks on the map right if you guys try to interact with <laughs> all of these map. little quests yeah it'll it, sometimes. it, it <laughs> you don't even know what you're going to get with these exclamation marks. Like you can get a quest, you can get like an entire mission out of them, but sometimes it's like just go and check out this thing. And I was like, "Oh, that's cool. Like there's a way to just stumble on things." Like in in Valhalla, there's the dots mm-hmm. on the map and you just go right. and you you see what happens. I'm like, "Oh, interesting." Or like Witcher
0: 3. I mean, Witcher 3 has question right. marks all over that you do that. Yeah.
1: Out. But in this game, sometimes it's just like one piece of dialogue with one person and that's all it is. Mm. Like you just walk up to one person and you exchange one sentence. And I guess that indicates that they want to make sure you don't miss that because they bothered to put that into the game and the rest of the dialogue, like procedural dialogue is just you walking around town and happening to run into people, but it's not like an actual dialogue choice. So they're like, we want you to know this is here. Or
0: maybe something was there and it was cut.
1: Or maybe something was there and it was cut. I don't know. It, it just feels like it's mimicking the idea of a really full game, but it's not actually a full game and the other broader issue I I, I'm further in the narrative than you guys (laughs) so I have slightly more of a take on that side of it I
2: let us have it let us have the
0: take (laughs) yeah no spoilers welcome to my TED talk
1: I I have I have an anecdote to tell you guys about about this this nightclub in the game afterlife okay Okay, okay, so here's my anecdote so in this nightclub, this kind of like your home base. You go to this bar every now and again, you get missions. There's this cool bartender, Claire, you meet her, you have a drink with her pretty early on. Like, mm-hmm. it's cool. Rogue is there, she's like this crime lord, et cetera, et cetera. You keep going back there. Hang a lot, hang out all out there. So I'm walking around afterlife, and there are these go-go dancers who are in these big tubes of water, and they look really cool. Like they're mm-hmm. covered in duct tape. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of sex workers in this game, and this is like some of many, many sex workers in this game were these go-go dancers who are naked, but they got duct tape on and they're wearing like uh, breathing tubes so that they can dance inside of these cool tubes for you. And I was like, oh, this is like really cool. And I was like taking screenshots of it and being like, here's something I like about this game. Every now and then they do like a cool world building thing. And then I was like, I wonder if there's like fun flavor text about these go-go dancers. Like maybe I'll just scan all of them and find out what their deal is. So I scan every single go-go dancer in the bar and there's like, Seven, eight of them. There's a lot of them. And all of them, they all have boobs and vaginas, by the way. And they all have men's names, if you scan them. Hmm. And then I was like, okay, I don't know if this is some kind of transphobic bit that the game is doing, but I think it might be. And I don't care for it. And so then I was kind of mad about it for a day. And then the story has an epilogue. And Mm. then today I was reading about how apparently Claire, who's the bartender, is a trans woman. And you find this out if you do her romance arc, which I have not done. And apparently it's a really cool storyline. So then I was like, oh, that's interesting, too. Like, I haven't played the storyline yet, mm. but, like, is there a larger narrative here about how Claire is like, made this decision to hire all of these trans go-go dancers? I don't know. I don't know if that's part of the game or not. But also, if it is part of the game, then why am I capable of like seeing their personal information? And is there going to be a commentary that's made by the game about this? (laughs) But there's not, it's not in there. And I feel like this game does that kind of thing a lot where it includes like the idea of the other. And like, sometimes it's queer people. Sometimes it's like the racial other, like, the Japanese gang or like the voodoo boys is like the Haitian gang. Like there's a lot of like different othering and like it's flavor it's for coolness. And sometimes it's like kind of fetishizing, but then there's other parts of the game where I'm like, there's something more interesting happening here because like the larger storyline, it's about Keanu Reeves, Getting stuck in a woman's body, and he's a misogynist. And so he's like having all this anxiety about like being stuck in your body. And I'm like, <laughs> that's like this inherently queer story, but like they're not quite navigating, but 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 they feel like they want to. Like it's like the game wants to do a lot of stuff. And some of it is interesting, it's in there. But then a lot of people worked on this game, and some of them probably also have shitty politics. So it's like, what are you- what are you gonna do? Like I I don't know. So I'm probably going to beat the game just because I'm like, I want to know what it's all going to add up to be because mm. I keep going in and out on what I think about all of these things.
0: Yeah, it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt because CD yes, Project Red has a history is. of like transphobic tweets or or and marketing tweets of the game, and marketing yeah, and issues like that. Um, and similarly, it's hard to give the game the benefit of the doubt when something happens because oftentimes you won't know if something is a bug or if it's intended to happen. Yeah, and there's nothing worse. I talked about this with Valhalla, but there's nothing worse than like that feeling of mistrust that you have, where it's like, okay, this person just turned hostile, or like this thing just happened. Was that supposed yes, to happen? Yes, or is it a bug? It's so frustrating to play a game like that. I think that even translates out to,
2: like, the story and even, like, the the idea of, the the feeling that you're articulating, Maddie, of, is this going somewhere? Am I Mm -hmm. right in buying into this story and caring about these details and these characters because I'm going to be rewarded for paying attention? When the game is so clearly surface level and has all these huge holes and is just missing all this stuff like it it just doesn't feel like there was a considered point of view or idea. It kind of even goes to the Altered Carbon thing. Like the idea of um, Johnny Silverhand taking over your character's psyche and then body, which is sort of mm-hmm. the ticking clock of this plot, is yes. really interesting and seems like it could go a lot of places. And it has that kind of same altered carbon idea, which is like, mm-hmm. what is consciousness? What happens if you put a new consciousness in, or an old consciousness in a new body? Like, can you come back yep. after death? Like, that stuff's all really cool. But playing the game, even the amount that I've played, it's, it just seems like there is no way that a game that is this slipshod in so many ways, technical, narrative,
0: um, you know, that's so patched together. This game is not earning my narrative right. trust And its story. Right. Like, <laughs> a lot of the people were willing to give this game the benefit of the doubt before it showed up was The Witcher 3 earned my trust. And I know, Kirk, it's one of your favorite games ever. And I would think that the writers behind The Witcher 3, a lot of whom are on this game, um, would bring something great to the table for this as well and so far I've been really into it I've been that's the one thing that's really impressed me about this game is how I've been I've found myself just like emotionally engaged and hooked by the main storyline and like mm-hmm. actually impacted by character moments um, mm-hmm. and I, I won't spoil anything but like anyone who's gotten to act 2 probably knows what I'm talking about like I actually was affected by certain things that happened and I'm, I'm into the story so far uh, I will say that's that's the one thing where I've bought into it and, and that's actually the one thing that is making me want to keep playing the game even though I know it's friggin' unfinished and I know that I would have a better time if I wait a few months I just want to see how the story plays out
1: yeah I will too I I mean I just wish it wasn't an open world game is really what it mm. is like I wish they'd just done The Witcher 3 and just had it be on the rails and told the story and really worked hard on making the story more nuanced because I think there's some really interesting stuff in it that they could have done but it's almost like because they had to, in- or decided they had to include all these other aspects of the game. I don't know. I, I guess I'll see what I think when I.
0: Yeah, think I mean, the story. Witcher 3 is open world, but it had the benefit of not having to be as dense. Um, well, Witcher 3 is huge, but it doesn't have to include. But like not having to function as an open world game in the way that we're talking about. Right. Mm-hmm. It can be a lot of forests and can be. This well, this game wanted to be Deus Ex and mix that and with GTA 3 and... and GTA, yeah, and the combination isn't really as effective. I as think
2: it. looking at Deus Ex is interesting. I re-downloaded Mankind Divided because I'm a big fan of those games, and I think that that approach—the hub world, semi-open, dense, um, yeah. no cars, like just like yeah. spend more time on the stealth and the AI and the storytelling. Even though Mankind Divided is a game that like weirdly just ends after its second act and like does feel incomplete and frustrating when you're in Prague in the first acts of those games... Of that game. It's still, it's like a great experience. Like, I love that part of the game. And Cyberpunk, it's so, it's spread out across so much more space. And like, it just is like, well, yeah, a version of this that was just much richer and in a smaller amount of geographical space could have been good. But then it wouldn't have been the game that CD Projekt was selling. Like this this huge massive city that's like the most amazing experience you've ever had. it already
1: and isn't that.
2: So I do want to talk about that, just about the, the game that was promised, I guess, and this backlash yeah. that's happening, the whole refund situation. It's all kind of in flux. It seems to be happening pretty quickly. The internet is very mad. It is remarkable mm. how the worm has turned or how quickly everyone has done a <laughs> 180 on this game. I mean, yeah. so Callie Plaggy famously from, like, probably or at least the most high-profile version of this gave the game a 7 out of 10 at GameSpot. I read her review. It's a good review. It's like a pretty, it's not a super negative pan or anything. Like, she's just, says yeah, it's got some problems. Kind of a lot of what we've been saying and she played it on mm-hmm. PC and gave it a 7 and then was, of course, inundated with harassment and then, days after this. I mean like 2 days later, now the CD Project Red subreddit is like exploding with people going crazy. There's a huge post there being like Callie Plaggy was right cuz the review embargo was a few days before the game came right. out, yes, which yes. is never never great for reviewers in this specific kind of circumstance. CD Project Red really tightly controlled access to this game even beforehand. People played previews mm-hmm. based on like a streaming version that they played on a computer that CDPR had. Like they
0: The the last-gen console version? Which, in fairness, is the only way to do previews in the time of COVID.
1: Well, that's true.
0: Yeah, that, they, I guess. They but,
1: offered very limited previews. To and there
0: was Apple. no yes. access. And they didn't give out PS4 right. or Xbox One codes. They only gave out there PC. There was
2: no access to last-gen console versions, and those versions are a complete disaster if you've watched videos. I haven't played them, but holy cow. And also, they, they barred reviewers from using their own gameplay footage. So you right. couldn't even show what the game actually looked like. You had to use their footage. There was a lot of shenanigans leading up to this, which, like, mm-hmm. I am definitely not one for the, like, rah-rah consumer rights stuff. Like, that makes me, uncomfortable just whenever I see it happening because so often it's used as, you know, a way to attack game developers or just an excuse for shitty behavior. But man, like just, there's a lot of chicanery leading up to the release of this game. So I'm curious what you two think of it. I guess, Jason, you've done so much reporting on CD Projekt Red. I'm sure you've been following all of this. Um, How are you feeling about all this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think it feels like a betrayal to a lot of the Reddit crowd, a lot of the pro-consumer crowd, or the I'm-a-proud-consumer crowd, um, which I take issue with a lot of the times. But a lot of them had always been like, CD Projekt Red, they care about gamers. Look, they don't sell microtransactions. They give us Mm -hmm. free DLC. They don't put DRM. They operate GOG, which is a pretty good store that like has no DRM, all this other stuff they've been just creating this this grand image for themselves as this pro gamer company, um, even though they're run by like billionaires and hundred millionaires who uh, are possibly hey, will buy- be pro gamers. Gamers made them billionaires. <laughs> by, by, uh, yeah. I mean, they're they're. Uh, you think of like evil, menacing, like corporations in the games industry, and and the rich people on top. I mean, CD Projekt Red is 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 also run by very rich people. But anyway, they've created that illusion, and I think this was just like puncturing that for a lot of people. This whole rollout and launch, and a lot of that was just like this community of like uber toxic people who have been in love with this game for years and expected it to be the best thing ever and at first when it became clear that this wasn't the best thing ever well really at first when um a certain reporter started reporting that they that CD project red has been crunching hard on this game um the backlash yeah. was immense um not just from fans but like from our colleagues in journalism who like like actively set out to deny stories that are very much true um and then also and and these then, are this is to be clear these, these
2: are stories that Jason Schreier very admirably <laughs> reported and did each other after I know you're being a little coy about it but these are your stories you're talking about
0: yeah I mean I think People, people generally know that, and and I think that like, and then and then it became more and more clear as launch came closer, as the game was inexplicably delayed after it had gone gold, quote unquote, which is like never a good sign if your game is if your game is if you've announced that your game is gone gold and then you have to delay it three times, that means this thing is coming in hot. And then the reviews yeah. came out, and I think that like at that point, these fans who were in this uh, just like this rabid state, like really went after the negative reviewers um, because their illusion had been. Been punCTURED and they didn't know where else to go and now they're all just railing at CD Project Red finally accepting that this game is not the the ultimate fantasy that they all expected it to be a lot could be said about the way that this whole ecosystem has been created and how CD Project Red has stoked these This this community and just like created this us versus them narrative by positioning themselves as this pro gamer company. Everyone else is lying to you. It's similar to what a lot of what you see on YouTube from YouTubers being like the the mainstream media is is telling you this, steering you wrong. I'm the one who's going to tell you the truth. And for that to like like go the other way, for that to come out as a betrayal, just like uh, uh, causes fury in people. The likes of which you will not see with other games. It can certainly be fun to go on the same subreddits that were just like slamming me for many many months and see that like they're suddenly saying oh shit like can't wait for the Jason Shire article about this development of this game Uh, (laughs) fuck you (laughs) redditors (laughs) Who didn't want to read my reporting when it said things you didn't want to hear, but suddenly you want to read it. Can I say, though, for the record, that I am looking forward to the Jason Schreier report about <laughs> the development of Cyberpunk 2077. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the want thing that. is, I was going back through some old emails, and I had gotten an email, I tweeted about this um, the other day, I had gotten an email from someone in April of 2019 after my big story went up about the development of Bioware's Anthem. And that person was like, hey, replace the word Anthem in the story with CD Projekt Red and like Cyberpunk, and you got the same story. Now, granted, yeah. I heard that from a bunch of other developers including <laughs> the last of us two and others who were like hey same story here but mm-hmm. um yeah but I, I i mean i think that like when the story eventually comes out and i hope it does and i certainly will be interested in in hearing and talking to cd project red developers but i think it'll be a similar story where it's like a lot of floundering and pre-production a lot of decisions made and then changed and then changed again um a lot of just like Oh shit, we have to ship this thing and cutting and scoping to, to make it work. I think what's interesting about this game is what I've heard. This is a, I don't remember if I've said this publicly. Actually, I think when we had Marsha Nowinsky, the CEO of CD Projekt Red, on the podcast last year, I was kind of gently teasing him about this. This was because on Split they screen. Had, this is on mm-hmm. Switch. Yes. they had originally uh, targeted internally the game for 2019. Which just imagine that now. Then it was yeah. it was officially announced for April, then September of 2020, then November, then December. It got delayed three times. But like I think with this game, they just had such an unreasonable timeline. And who knows if they ha- were in a financial crunch or it was because of like unreasonable shareholders. Who knows what the reasons was. But I think that was particularly interesting and unusual about this game is that they really expected this game to. Come out like way faster than it possibly well, could have and it turns out that even December 2020 was way too early and this game needed like at least another few months mm-hmm.
1: yeah I wish they had delayed it again I and I I hope that this whole situation causes more people to think about delays differently and development cycles differently that's a very optimistic statement for me I don't know if anything will change at all but I I'm just certainly really, hype cycles I would hope so because I I people were so upset when this game got delayed multiple times and now it's here and it's still really not done. And you can tell when you play it that it's not really done and that it needed more time to bake.
0: Yeah, although I should say, I've seen some memes on Twitter about this, like, the game was not released in December because of fans. It was released in December because of shareholders. Like that is Well, we don't
1: know that because CD Projekt Red has also claimed that wasn't the reason. So, like, why did they release it in December? That might have been the reason. They released it in
0: December because of shareholders. I can promise see that that is the reason fans on twitter getting angry about delays do not prevent future delays from coming like no no boardroom has said we're not going to delay this game because people will be angry about it on twitter it is always financial reasons behind delaying or not delaying the
2: self-reflection that i would like to see is people reacting so negatively to reviews of a game that they haven't played i and i would like to think that the extremely quick turnaround between The few really critical reviews and then the game being so obviously kind of a bigger shit show than the reviews even said. It was so Mm -hmm. fast. It was so pronounced. People were so up in arms about the reviews and then so quickly faced with their own you know reddit history looking at the comment they wrote two days ago shitting on a reviewer and now Mm -hmm. posting like oh this game actually does suck the reviewer was right that I would think that at least some you know it's easy to be like oh yeah whatever people will never change and to just feel cynical and jaded about it but I do think hopefully some small percentage of people do look at this and think oh okay so in the future maybe I don't want to do this again or the next time Mm -hmm. this situation repeats they think back and think "Mm, you know I kind of (laughs) remember cyberpunk though so I'm just gonna I'm gonna like (laughs) whatever, keep my powder dry and not you know, mm-hmm. like yeah. totally sound off on so. this until I've played the game.
0: Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is, after all this, like it still has a ninety on Metacritic. Like according to review scores, it's still one of the best games of the year. I think a lot of that, having read the GameSpot Callie's review at GameSpot and read a lot of other reviews, I get the feeling that people probably were so scared of reactions that they tended to skew Maybe, higher than they might have otherwise. Although
1: a lot of outlets have done away with scores and aren't eligible for Metacritic anymore, and so the kind Kinds of sites that are on Metacritic are smaller sites that might be more likely to just give a more enthusiast press type of a score to to a game. This was
2: a point that John Walker made in that essay that he wrote for Kotaku, which I think is true, that more and more of the sites that have the most you know I all just say sophisticated critical approach to video games like tend to not have review scores and thus mm-hmm. don't always turn up on Metacritic. So then it it kind of raises the question of what is Metacritic even for? Like if the if mm-hmm. the best critics are t- increasingly writing reviews that don't have scores, like they're not even over there. So then you just get a lot of people giving it tens.
0: Yeah, well, it used to be for bonuses. Used to be for CD Projekt Red bonuses, still is for bonuses everywhere else and a lot of other That's places. That's what Metacritic is for. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Nice. All
2: right. Well, there's a ton more to say about this game. Um, we'll probably come back to it. I'll probably come back and play definitely. it again in six months or something. Um, until then, though, let's. Uh, so you're just get, you're just done now. You think you're just gonna stop? There's so many other things I want to play. Like I just, okay. I really, it's That's so fair, and I just want to wait. Like I don't feel a burning need to play it. I'll definitely play it at some point. But there's just, I've got all these other games I'm playing, uh, which we will talk mm-hmm. about. Uh, I'll talk about one of them anyways in uh, one more thing after these messages <laughs> Hey, you like movies? What about coming up with movie ideas over the course of an hour? Because that's what we do every week on Story Break, a writer's room podcast where three Hollywood professionals have an hour to come up with a pitch for a movie or TV show based off of totally zany prompts. Like that time we reimagined Star Wars based on our phones autocomplete. Luke Skywalker is a family man and it's Star Wars, but it's a good idea. (laughs) How about that time we broke the story of a bunch of Disney Channel original movies based solely on the title and the poster. Okay, Sarah Hyland is a 50-foot woman. Let's just go with it, guys. (laughs) Or the time we finally cracked the adobe photoshop feature film stamp tool is your woody and then the autofill oh, is the new buzz Lightyear. Context. join us as we have a good time imagining all the movies hollywood is too cowardly to make story break comes out every thursday on maximum fun i don't know why i'm using this voice now
1: hi i'm jackie
2: cation hi i'm Lori kilmartin and we have a podcast called the jackie and Lori show who are you, Lori Gilmartin? Oh my God, so much pressure. Uh I a stand, I stand up. I've been doing stand up since 1987. Uh, I'm a writer for Conan. I've written a couple books, have a couple CDs out, have a special out.
1: Who are you, Jackie? Well, I, too, am a stand-up comic since 1984. And uh, I do the road like a maniac and uh, don't have a cool writing job, but I have four albums out working on a new album. We talk about stand-up. We talk about uh, all the different parts of stand-up comedy. So that's The Jackie and Lori Show, and you should subscribe on Maximum Fun if you want to hear that. (laughs) And I would encourage you not to.
2: (laughs) All right, and we're back for one more thing. Um, I'm gonna go first. My one more thing. It's a cyberpunk game <laughs> where you have a sword <laughs> and you run around. It's made by a Polish development studio. <laughs> it's, okay,
1: okay. Uh, it's uh, it's called
2: Ghost Runner, and it is not Cyberpunk 2077, and it is a uh, really really cool. It's uh, on, I think it's on, like, every console and on PC. Uh, it's made by a development studio called One More Level, and also 3D Realms helped make it. came out a couple months ago, though it's been sort of a staggered release. It's now, like, on Switch. I can't imagine playing this game on Switch. I've been playing it on PC, and it's so fast, you would just. I feel like you would need a mouse and a keyboard. But le- it's really cool. I've played a couple of hours of it, and I just want to kind of tell people about it real quick. Um, it's like... Hotline Miami meets Titanfall two meets um, a Little Dishonored maybe. Okay, okay. It's you're this like cyber ninja. You're, you're basically Genji from Overwatch or <laughs> insert cyber ninja here. Sure. Um, it's in a kind of generic cyberpunk world. Like it's one of those kind of double A games where it looks pretty sweet, but it's you know not like. It's not like Cyberpunk 2077. It's not like, <laughs> oh my god, this costs hundreds of millions of dollars to make. It's much more like we had a really cool gameplay idea and we executed it with like the cleanest level design and like look that we could get. Um, so you're a ninja, you move around, and the whole game is kind of working your way through these levels in this kind of cyberpunk city. And you move really fast... You have a sword, and that's kind of it. You can do wall runs, and the whole levels are they're all set up around wall runs. And you have the ability to do cut a,
0: from Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven
2: to do yeah. a to do a um a blink move is kind of your main move where you can hit it in mid air and like slow down time and like if you're jumping toward a guy and he shoots at you, you hit it in mid air and then you press right and you start kind of sliding to the right and you go around his bullet but you're really fragile, like one hit and you're dead. So it's like Hotline, Hotline Miami in that way where mm-hmm. you start going and the level, you die. Like you die over and over and over again and you die and you respawn so fast, like super meat boy fast, zero friction. Bam, you're right back at the checkpoint, go again. And the whole game is just running through these increasingly elaborate combat challenges where you have a sword and you're super fast and the other guys are kind of slow and standing still, but they can kill you very easily. And you just have to kind of solve the puzzle it out the shield generator, go around, slide under it, kill the guy. And once you get going, it's really fun. Like, it's such a shock of adrenaline playing it after so many of the other games that I've been playing, which are more like RPGs or sort of I like Spirit Fair, which is a lot of like planting crops and like taking a nice ship places and hugging animals, like this is just like go go go! And it's great. It's really fun. Um, it's kind of stressful, but I really dig it. I'm going to play more of it. Um, so basically, that's just my sort of surface level endorsement of nice. Ghost Runner. It's very cool. A lot of people had recommended this game to me, knowing that I like this kind of game, and I do. So Ghost Runner. <laughs> it's on like every system. It's easy to find. Sounds dope. Maddie, what's your one more thing?
1: Yeah, so I read Carrie by Stephen King, which nice. I think I said on this show that I wanted to read. And mm-hmm. then I downloaded the audiobook, which is read by Sissy Spacek, who I believe plays Carrie oh, in the movie. Oh, killer.
2: Moon. Oh, heck yeah, she yeah. does. That's it's cool. Very,
1: she does a great job at that. I haven't mm-hmm. seen the movie. I think I might, I might watch that next. Now that I've read the book.
2: The movie rips. Why not?
1: Why not watch one of the most famous yeah. films ever it's after good. reading one of the most famous books ever, Stephen King's first book. And I loved it. I thought it was great. I just wanted to... Quickly say something that surprised me about it and impressed me about it is the structure of the book, which I didn't really know anything Mm -hmm. about. I knew the ending of Carrie. I think most people probably know the ending of Carrie, which I guess I won't spoil in case people (laughs) somehow don't. But the structure of the book, it's told out of order, and you find out what happens when Carrie goes to her high school prom kind of in the middle of the book. But then you find out more and more information about why and what happens up until you get there to the climactic ending and it's kind of anti-spoiler in a way that I thought was really fun and cool and it's it's about just this one event and the impending dread leading up to it and I liked it I just I wish more media did stuff like that where it's not necessarily about revealing a big puzzle box or some mystery solution or like oh what's gonna happen at the end of the book it's more just about Carrie as a person and the other people in her life and you're in suspense about what's going to happen but then pretty soon you know what's going to happen and then it's more just about why it happens and how everybody feels hmm. about it mm-hmm. and i thought that was really cool it was a cool that is cool. cool book and people should read it if they never yeah, have yeah king is
0: good at that it's like semi-epistolary yeah i should read it i i love stephen king but i have not read it oh man Jerry. it's like yeah it's first... not very
1: long so i read it in a few days.
0: Short killer. Mm. Nice. But yeah, Stephen King is very good at doing those character studies that you're yeah. talking about, Manny. Yeah. You should read, my favorite King book is uh, 11... Um, 11, 20, 20, 23, 60, no, no. 2263. 11, there. Yep, you got there. I always get it wrong. Um, <laughs> about the guy who goes back in time and tries to stop JFK from being shot, which is connected to Gone Home, which we'll talk about on the Beanscast next week. Yeah, yeah
2: I, I, I just a second that endorsement. Yeah, 11,
0: Okay. Really okay. long. Check great book. And a good ending. The rare Stephen King book with a good ending. And then, well, so he has, it has, it has like an entire, like 200 page segment where it's just about the main character like living a life in like 1960s and 50s like texas amazing. and it's amazing it's really incredible
1: i'm sure it is the next thing i want to read though is frankenstein by mary shelley uh, we talked do it, about do it, it, it. <laughs> nice. on the young frankenstein beanscast it's, so it's
0: great oh i'll
2: be excited to hear what you think of it nice nice look nice, forward nice.
1: to that in several triple click episodes
2: nice all right uh jason what's your one more thing
0: Cool. So my one more thing is coming in at the end of the year, one of my favorite video games of the year is nice. one I just played over the past week. It's called Call of the Sea. And it is an adventure game. It's a puzzle game. If you don't like puzzles, you'll probably not like this. But if you do like puzzles, you will probably love this. Um, it is The the premise of the game is uh, you play as a woman named Nora. Um, it is the 1930s and you wind up on this island near Tahiti uh, where you are looking for your husband, Harry, who is missing there, um, Nora is played by Sissy Jones, and Harry is played by Yuri Lowenthal, and they're both incredible in this Keep game. Old Yuri. Um, and as you go through the game, it's a pretty short game. It's like six chapters of like puzzle solving and exploring this island and finding the mysteries behind it. Um, turns out there's a lot of H.P. Lovecraft in this game, and there are a lot of just like direct references to Lovecraft stuff. Um, and and Horror stuff. Well, not. It's not really horror. It's just more like supernatural stuff. Supernatural, there isn't really yeah. any scared, mm-hmm. scary stuff. The puzzles are fantastic. The story is fantastic. The voice acting is fantastic. Everything about it is great. Um, it's very mist-like. It's very much like Ooh. the old PC game Mist, uh, in that the game just kind of presents you with things. I wouldn't say it's not as esoteric and obscure as like some of the puzzles in Mist, but like the game doesn't hold your hand <laughs> well, through <good>. things. <laughs> yeah, no. Mist mm-hmm. could be a little bit like like it stumped me as a kid when I was playing. Yeah, it. I know. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, but but yeah, this game is is it presents you with these puzzles and you have all the information you need to solve them, but like the game won't give you any hints and there's no way to get hints. You need to just kind of sit there and and ponder over it, and you will. Like it, it might take you a little while, but you will. And I looked. I took a few breaks while playing this game. It's a good game to take breaks in between, like each chapter. But yeah, I loved it. I, I found it fasc- fascinating. Um, the end of the story made me definitely made me tear up. Um, it's great. Really, really good. Cool. I highly recommend I'll this check game. It out. Call of the Sea. I played a little bit of this
2: just because I knew you were going to talk about it. Um, and oh, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's really neat. Uh, I like it, too. It's funny that it begins, like, she voiceover narrates, and she. it begins with, like, th- the most, like, her just giving exposition for, like... Four lines. She's like, ah, uh-huh. yes, my family, and me, and the history, and my <laughs> husband, and here we are, and I'm looking for this one. I was like just kind of yep. laughing, because it's like yep. setting all the stage for basically this island covered in puzzles, and I also enjoy that, of course, you like this game, Jason, because this is a game about being on an island and solving
0: puzzles, so it's like Lost.
2: Mm-hmm. It's just another game mm-hmm. that's like Lost.
0: Yeah, it is Lost, A video game. No. Um, so I think one of the flaws of this game, and it's kind of an unavoidable flaw, or at least I can't think of how they would do this differently, is that it just plays by the same tropes as Gone home and every other like first person exploration like narrative game that has ever come out, which is that. Uh, oh, hey, there's a conveniently placed letter over here. And then, like, an hour later, just when you're <laughs> supposed to find the continuation of that story, like, it's, it's very clear that, like, it's a linear yeah, story yeah. where it should not be because you're going all around these different places of the island. And, like, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't, it, the game f- finds a way to set it up so it's like, okay, they were here and then they moved here. Because as you're going, you're like finding these abandoned tents and reading diary entries and letters and finding photographs and like piecing together the story of, like, uh, Harry, your husband. And his band of compatriots and what happened to them all um, so it does kind of work in that way but like oftentimes it's just like nobody would have written this down nobody would have left this here it's just kind of that <laughs> typical video game problem where they had to get you that right. information and that was the only way or like nobody would have recorded this audio log and left it here um, so yeah there's some, some <laughs> yeah. silliness in that sense but the story is so good and riveting and interesting and like well written that it made up for it um, shout out to so this game Call Us is a game the game the developers are called out of the blue the director is tatiana delgado they're this team in spain this like indie team in spain so it's really cool that like this spanish nice. i mean you don't hear a lot about like sp- the spanish indie game scene but this spanish indie game developer has come out and sure come a, and released yeah. one of my favorite games of the year and so that is super dope that's super yeah. cool yeah i'm definitely going to play more of it just hearing that investment. So yeah. And it's on uh, Xbox Game Pass. So a lot of people so, out there can already no just play it for without those paying that. <laughs> Best thing when a game that you like is on Xbox Game Pass and you can just tell people to play yeah, it. Yeah, so you can play it on the new Xbox or Xbox One or PC. It's not on any other consoles yet. I think they have some sort of timed exclusivity arrangement. But yeah, Call of the Sea. Everyone should go check it out. I will definitely mention it again when I'm talking about like my favorite games of the year. But okay. yeah, go play it. All right, well, that's
2: that. For now, I'm sure we'll return to a lot of these games and talk about them more in the future. But for now, I'll see the two of you uh, at our Gone Homes Beans cast. And everybody else, I'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Triple Click is produced by Jason Schreier, Maddie Myers, and me, Kirk Hamilton. I edit and mix the show and also wrote our theme music. Our show art is by Tom DJ. Some of the games and products we talked about on this episode may have been sent to us for free for review consideration. You can find a link to our ethics policy in the show notes.